0: Okay, guys, so we are now going to talk about Microsoft as part of our platform series. And this is an interesting one because, in theory, we should have as much to say about Microsoft as we have had to say about Nintendo. And I think one of the things that we're going to talk about today is why the three of us are not so excited This is already quite sad. About Microsoft. So (laughs) let's talk about Microsoft's 2015. It's been really quiet, I feel. Yeah. Again, there will be people that will disagree with us, but this is just our view on this. I feel like a lot of my attention has been drawn to the PlayStation and Nintendo. I feel like that's where my attention is being drawn. And a lot of the games... That come out that across platform, I buy for PlayStation. I have an Xbox One. I bought the Xbox One before I got my PlayStation. I think the Xbox came out first. The, I think they did. Yeah, yeah. Because no, I, no, I,
1: no, we, no, it didn't. Um, I, did I just say we again? You said we again. Oh, someone shoot me. No, I think, I think this time around, PlayStation came out first. Oh, really? Interesting.
0: I wonder, Why did yeah. I buy the Xbox then? Why did you
2: buy the Xbox, Mike? I
0: bought the Xbox first. And I still have it, but I don't think I have turned it on all year. So at least since I got the PlayStation, I don't think I've turned it on. I buy all cross-platform games for it. I just don't think this is much happening. So one statistic is they sold 10 million units as of November 2014, which was significantly behind Sony with the PlayStation. And from what I can see, there have been no officially announced numbers for units shipped or sold since that point. So all of 2015, I couldn't find any numbers that suggested how many Xbox Ones have been sold.
1: And that's
2: usually not a good sign. It's not a good sign. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, no, I can tell you for a fact it's not a good sign. I mean, <laughs> at the beginning of <laughs> PlayStation 3, um, yeah. we didn't report sell-through figures. I say we. We at the time didn't report sell-through figures. We reported sell-in figures, and it's been similar for Microsoft on this occasion. Right. So the difference between sell, sell—is it sell out and sell in? I guess is shipped and sold, right? Yeah, it's sell-in and sell-through. So sell-in is the number of units placed into uh, distribution and retail, and sell-through are actual units bought by customers. Yeah. See, sell the, the sell-in numbers are
0: not good numbers. They're like hidden numbers, no. right? They're like they're like a, a right. curtain, a smokescreen.
1: Because they're not sold; they're just in stores, right? right? They could be in a warehouse somewhere. Exactly, right. selling is a vanity number. Right. Hmm. Uh, sell through is sanity.
2: Ha! <laughs> I like that. Uh, I I just feel like we spent, or at least I spent last year, uh following the like each month, each couple of months, the numbers from PlayStation, and like obsessing over the news of Nintendo making mobile games. Uh, and Microsoft was somewhere in the you know in the rear view mirror just not making news that much and the and the thing that worries me the most is that it's somewhat of an accepted narrative among people that microsoft is just playing catch up and then they just failed with the original vision for the xbox one and just not even a couple of years into this new generation Sony has already won with the PlayStation 4. And that 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 seems to me like it's a general consensus at least uh, from the majority of websites that I follow. Uh and I know there's there's quite a few hardcore uh Xbox One fans out there. And I'm sure that Microsoft is thinking about, you know, what to do next and we'll talk about this. But it, it, it seems to me like it's a problem every time uh, this kind of story becomes, you know, like a meme and
1: everyone accepts that. Well, the, there are a couple of things to bear in mind. I think Microsoft are actually doing better uh, with Xbox One in terms of overall sales than they were with Xbox 360. The market overall is bigger. It's just that PlayStation 4 has become an absolute phenomenon.
0: So I've just done a bit of digging, right? And yeah. theres there aren't official numbers, but there is a report that I have found, and I'll put it in our show notes, that suggests that in January of this year, Microsoft had managed to sell 18 million Xbox One units. So that these aren't official numbers because Microsoft aren't announcing them. But this is one of right. those analyst reports. Mm-hmm. And this is compared to the official figures from Sony that they have sold 35.9 million about twice that wow. in this in the same period of time and their official numbers so yeah what it's suggesting is currently playstation is dominating and i'm trying to i've been trying to wrap my head around why has that happened and i think that we've got a couple of different things here so the original announcement of the xbox one was a disaster right yeah. their, their original <laughs> e3 announcement was a absolute disaster so Things like requiring the connect. Yep. Or requiring an internet connection. <laughs> requiring an internet connection. No backwards compatibility. Games would be streamed from the cloud and you would have to authenticate disks. And, and it was all a bunch of insane craziness that allowed Microsoft to have some very interesting things, right? The, the, yeah. the things that they were talking about sounded very interesting Um, and they also made a big play on the entertainment space, right? Like, you can make this thing your media center. Mm -hmm. But it seemed to alienate and upset their core audience, and that kind of seemed to leak out a little bit. And then Sony, uh, either from a reactionary basis, or this was just luckily the route they were going down, seemed to pitch their entire marketing
1: on the PS4 around gamers. Oh, it definitely wasn't luck, but but you're right to to point out the reaction. There was, I mean, I can't say which bit it was, but there was a little bit of reaction. I mean, the the E3 presentation had a minor tweak made to it, right? Uh, in order to react, which really went down really well. I can't say which bit it was.
2: I think I remember it was the video. Uh, about here's how you can play a used game on
1: a PS4. Oh yeah, Adam Boys and Shuhei Yoshida. Yeah, that was a nice touch. There was that, and there was the whole the the whole DRM business. There were lots of things, but the thing is, they had been in the pipeline for a long time. But the video, you're right, was the thing that sealed the deal. And that was done in the wake of the announcement. That's the benefit of not being first, right? Like,
0: right. you've got a couple of days to uh, to react. But that I think that what that did was it really set them off on a bad foot. And then there's been a couple of other little elements here, I think. So when I was looking at this and thinking about this, there haven't been a lot of compelling exclusives on the Xbox One. And it seems like Sony kind of went for the kill by taking away and having the switch of a bunch of platform exclusives, like the Call of Duty maps and like the first play of the maps and exclusive maps and stuff like that in multiplayer, that had always been a Microsoft exclusive or I had been for many years. But as of 2015, this was a PlayStation exclusive. So there are all these little elements that added uh, have added up, I think, to an underwhelming... Uh, release of the xbox one in 2015 don't get me wrong 18 million that's a big number i mean especially look at nintendo (laughs) that's a huge number but it's not 40 right which is what playstation is probably aiming towards quite soon
1: there is also a territorial um split so that microsoft are doing a lot better in the u.s Mm -hmm. relatively speaking um but they're they're doing really badly in the old PAL territories. That's you know practically everywhere else else in the world. So it's like Europe and Asia. Yeah, exactly. Why is that, Shahid? A number of reasons. I, I'd say PlayStation has always had, say, always from from early days, a really good distribution setup, mm-hmm. really excellent local market knowledge, really excellent people placed in those local offices who understand how to run local campaigns and who tailor everything. Part of it is also operations. The, the operational side of things was adjusted really heavily. It was a multi-year project that allowed for boxes to be uh, tailor-made and customized. You know, we're talking about the, uh, the sleeve on the outside of the PS4 box, depending on promotions and local markets. And all of the local campaigns are also very much geared towards those, those local regional offices. So in some territories, particularly in Europe, Yeah, PlayStation doing multiples of 10 times the sales of Xbox One. I mean, it's just a staggering decimation, almost in the literal sense of the word. Do you think some of
0: this is based on the fact that Sony originates from that part of the world, so they they just have a different mindset? That's a good question, actually.
1: I think with Microsoft originating in the US, uh, clearly a lot of Sony's operations are now shifting over to the US. Of course. But... But with Microsoft originating, of course, their focus is going to be on um, English-speaking territories. But I don't think that's the whole of the picture, because if you think of Microsoft as a larger organization, their other software efforts, you know, Windows in particular, but also Office, have gone to every single nook and cranny on the face of the earth. So I think there is a cultural thing about Xbox that made it easier for them to focus in on the English markets. And that's the other thing. If you're not doing really well, you you focus on your home territories. And that's what they've done. You don't want to lose the battle at home. Yeah. And I say I say you focus on your home territories. Look at PlayStation. PlayStation hasn't done brilliantly in Japan with PS4. And that's why a lot of the focus is shifting to the US and Europe. Why is that? Because there's been a really big shift towards mobile in Japan. Okay. Culturally, game playing yeah. is much more different in Japan than the rest of the world. It's really anomalous. I mean, Vita is doing brilliantly in Japan. It's just <laughs> nuts. You know, it's, it's doing
0: I'm sorry. Doing nowhere near
1: <laughs> as well in the rest of the world. But in Japan, it's, it's huge.
0: Today's show is also brought to you by Igloo, the internet you'll actually like. With Igloo, you don't have to be stuck at your desk to do your work. You can manage your task list from your laptop during a meeting, share status updates from your phone as you're leaving a client's site, or access the latest version of a file from home. You can even do this in your pyjamas, nobody will know. These days, everything is mobile, and your work should be too. This includes documents. People are always bringing in outside apps now into companies, and sensitive documents are getting scattered across different platforms. Platforms like Box, Google, Google Drive and Dropbox, for example. This can cause some big problems, but not if you use Igloo. With Igloo, you're able to integrate all of these services into their easy-to-secure platform. Everybody will be on the same page. You'll be able to share your documents together. You can even use Igloo's own document previewing engine Had to have red receipts as well, so you make sure that everybody's seen that most important fire safety document, for example. If you know terms like 256-bit encryption, single sign-on, and an active directory, you'll know just how safe and secure Igloo is. But what's more, if you've ever looked at your intranet that you're currently using, you know, the current intranet product that you have or that you have access to in your workplace, I can pretty much assume that unless it is an Igloo intranet, it's going to look horrible. Well, this is what Igloo is here to help you fix as well. They give you all of the tools to create a fantastic looking intranet and make it somewhere that you really want to be. It's super configurable, and you're completely able to rebrand it and give it the look and feel of your team and company. It's time to break away from the internet you hate. Go and sign up for Igloo right now, and you can try it for free with any team of up to 10 people for as long as you want. Sign up right now at igloosoftware.com slash remaster. Thank you so much to Igloo for their support of this show and Relay FM. I think it's fair to say 2015 hasn't really been Microsoft's year. But let's take a look at some of the things that they've put in place that could propel them through to 2016. So they're doing a lot of integration with Windows 10 and they're trying to bring those platforms together, right? Like Xbox is one of the Windows 10 platforms now and they're trying to kind of integrate across. And actually, as we record, I think it's next week they have an event Um, where they're talking about Windows 10 and Xbox One. So there could be some stuff there, which is quite interesting. One of the things that I find quite exciting that Microsoft is doing right now is HoloLens, their AR, their augmented reality headset. That could be really interesting for gaming and they've shown off Minecraft here. And we'll come to Minecraft in a moment, because I think that's a whole big thing on its own. But do you think that there could be some applications for HoloLens with Xbox?
1: Would it be crazy to not do that? The, The difficulty with AR is, much like Kinect, getting it robust. And that is a repeatable experience. I think one of the reasons other players have gone for VR as opposed to AR is that it's easier at this stage in uh, the world of technology to get a robust experience, or as robust as it's possible to get with VR. But with AR, it's hard. I guess because it's
0: a little more controllable, right? Yeah, exactly. With with, with VR, you're just showing a screen. With AR, you have to combat the environment that the game is being played in. Exactly. So I, I assume it's it's probably a lot easier to come up with game concepts for VR than AR.
1: I don't know. I think developers will surprise us and be incredibly creative. Sure. But you're right in terms of the canvas. I mean, the, the canvas that VR offers is, is easier to understand because, you know, it's the whole of your your uh, viewing field.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Whereas with AR, it could be anything. You haven't got a clue what's going on in the, the player's environment. And you have to make adjustments for just about anything. So you're, I, I I would say that with some reservations, you're right on that it's going to be challenging some of the minecraft stuff that they've displayed is is mind blowing
0: right like they they you know how they've shown uh someone could be playing on a tablet or something like that and then there's somebody else who's playing with hololens and they're kind of like in god mode and the minecraft area is being kind of projected onto a table through their hololens and they're able to zoom in and pick up things and destroy stuff and use their hands to manipulate the minecraft world that kind of stuff is just incredible, right? And could be part of the reason that they bought Minecraft in the first place.
2: It looks incredible to me, but I also wonder if VR is still more impressive in terms of like overall effect. You put on a helmet and you're like in this crazy new reality. Yeah. Whereas with AR, you're still looking at your kitchen table, even yeah. if it's got Minecraft on it. It's somewhat less AR
0: is impressive. VR is immersive, right? Yeah, I guess that's the difference. I like that. Because the AR stuff with gaming, I think it's going to be more tricky to to find ways to do that sort of thing. I I really do. Because you you look at that Pokemon Go game, which is an AR game, makes sense because you're doing it out in the world. I don't know how well a game like that would work in your living room, right? There's only so much space that you can use. But talking about Minecraft, this is... I think, still looking at it, Minecraft is Microsoft's ace, right? They have they own the biggest game in the world. Mm-hmm. This is yep. as big as a gaming franchise should be. Do you think that they're missing a trick, Shahid, in not leveraging potentially, say, Minecraft 2, for example? I don't know what they will do, but do you think that it would be interesting if they made Minecraft 2, if it ever comes an Xbox One exclusive or a Microsoft exclusive?
1: It's hard to say because it's done so well everywhere. I yep. think Microsoft exclusive, yes, because it would be, I think it would be short-sighted of them to neglect their enormous PC audience for Minecraft. Because yep. that's really its home, you know? Yeah, um, and, and there are some real issues with the current Minecraft that make it very hard to deliver the full Minecraft experience on a console. You know, there are just memory restrictions and speed restrictions and if you want to get the max out of it, you really need to be running it on a decent PC and and then you can just go on and on. And I would suspect there would be a significant amount of reengineering to get a Minecraft 2 going. And if they get that right, they could make sure that it was excellent on, on Xbox One as well. But, you know, I'd be surprised if they didn't do it for other platforms too. Because I think Minecraft is bigger for them than, than Xbox. Potentially, Minecraft is bigger than Xbox. I know that sounds insane, and I'm kind of questioning my sanity to say that.
0: No way. That is That feels like a categorical fact to me. Mm. Like my, Minecraft is the biggest thing in gaming. Yeah. You know, no matter how much any of us play it, which I think is just a little bit here and there, I see my cousins every few weeks, every time I see them are still playing it, and they've been playing it for years. Minecraft is... Minecraft is now bigger than gaming, right? Like, it is is a thing that exists in the world. It is a phenomenon. It's a phenomenon unlike any that we've seen since, like, Mario, right? Like, it is massive. It's just massive. I feel like it's bigger than Mario. It is now, yeah. It's it's bigger than anything. It is the biggest thing in video gaming.
2: There's a comparison to be made, maybe. About the possibility of Minecraft Two being on Windows only platforms, and Kanye West keeping his new album a <laughs> title exclusive,
0: it will just upset people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because everybody that has an iPhone or an iPad will want Minecraft. You know, th- it's huge on the App Store. <laughs> th- that game is in the top five paid always. Yes. Always. like I'm yes. opening my phone right now. Let's take a look at where it is. Uh, let's see on the two. US App Store. Number but two you are, in the UK. You're
2: on the UK App Store. Mm-hmm. Let's see, in the US. Um, top paid,
0: number two, Minecraft. Yeah. Always, <laughs> right? So it's the biggest... It's, it's as big as a game could be. And yeah, I think that if they did just make Minecraft 2, because you know, assuming that that will come at some point, uh, a, a Microsoft exclusive, it would definitely increase sales of all of their platforms by an amount... Right? It might be a small amount, but what it would do is really upset a lot of people. Yeah. I cannot even imagine. (laughs) What a great way to sell Windows tablets, right?
2: Are there even Windows tablets? I mean, the surface. I guess so. I guess. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And yeah, other people do make them. What's interesting to me is the possibility for
2: future companies to sort of copy the Minecraft uh, idea. Uh, And sort of the the risk of Minecraft becoming a a genre uh, that others company can build on top of. And I'm thinking of, you know, Lego games, the new Dragon Quest, uh, what's the name, Builders, Uh, Mario Maker even to an extent. Yeah, Terraria.
0: um, uh, All all big games now have crafting elements mm -hmm, to them. mm -hmm. Like I'm playing uh, Assassin's Creed right now. It was a gift for Christmas uh, because it's based in London. So I've been playing that, and it has crafting elements in it. And it wouldn't have that, I'm sure, without Minecraft. The, yeah. the idea is just you collect resources and turn them into things. That has become a prevalent thing in games now because of Minecraft. I think there's potential that it might pull some people away, but I think if something is created and will always be referred to as Minecraft-like, I don't think that's bad for the franchise because it makes it a thing.
1: Yes. You're right. Minecraft is a phenomenon. And as you said earlier, the rest of video games sits outside of Minecraft. It has transcended gaming. It has become um, a part of the fabric of kids' lives. There's an entire generation of kids who have been introduced to video games and have introduced their parents to video games through Minecraft and nothing else, yeah. there are kids who are obsessed with this for hours and hours and hours every day, um, in a way that I've never seen for any other video game. And here's here's the thing that I like about it: it's not the, the the dominant mode of play is not violence. Yeah, you know that's not that's not the dominant mode of play. It's essentially creative, and I think that makes it extraordinarily powerful, and it's why it's being able to gain such a foothold, because parents are okay with it.
0: And I guess, you know, the the violence in Minecraft is usually defensive
1: rather than aggressive.
2: Right. And it's so not realistic in any way.
1: Yeah. Right, exactly, exactly stylized. No blood, and it, you're not hurting other humans. It's monsters. Here's the other thing, Mike. I mean, you've noticed, guys, both of you, I'm sure, have noticed Microsoft are doing stuff for iOS now. So they did this selfie thing. Do you remember that? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I saw some other thing by Microsoft just yesterday. I forget what it is. By Microsoft Garage or something? They've yeah. released yeah. games onto the App yeah. Store as well. So that's that for me is evidence of the new Microsoft uh, under Nadella. They're being a lot more inclusive. They're embracing mobile a lot more. Heavily invested in cloud. I'd be surprised if... They restricted Minecraft. Really what it boils down to is, does the strategic benefit of making Minecraft and its equals exclusive outweigh any potential financial benefit? That's going to be a tough call to make.
0: I don't think, personally, I don't think they're going to do it. Um, because I think it would be, you know, you can quite easily do the math and see that, the amount of consoles that you would sell would not be more than the money that you would make from just software sales, right? They're, yeah. they're, it's, I just cannot imagine a world where they would sell enough Xbox or PCs because of Minecraft going exclusive. Then they would sell copies of the game on every other platform that has a computer chip in it, right? Like Minecraft runs in the Raspberry Pi, like it's everywhere, right? Like it is everywhere, and I I would be surprised to see it. Uh, but it's. I think it's always worth in these conversations bringing up the fact that one of these game companies owns the biggest franchise in the world that it's is almost... a very different scenario than what we've seen in the past the biggest franchises tend to be console exclusives right you know you, you look at something like uh, I mean it, you know removing stuff like Call of Duty from this but you look at mario and sonic and things like that these big cultural phenomenons they tend to be exclusive in some way and and it shifted a little bit with stuff like call of duty and grand theft auto over the years but now it's like this they're never owned by a a platform vendor right they're owned by independent companies but a platform vendor owns this cross-platform phenomenon that's a very different scenario to be in
2: yeah it's almost like a like like a problem, in a way. You have a company that's struggling to sell their dedicated console, but they also, they also have their biggest game franchise in the world right now. Yeah. So what do you do? There's like a pressure, yeah. because I, I can imagine internally they want to promote the Xbox One, but they also don't want to lose any goodwill or sales with Minecraft. So I can imagine the power struggle between the Xbox teams wanting to push Xbox and maybe to push for more exclusive uh, type of titles, and the upper management wanting to do cloud services and to be available on as many pla- platforms as possible—it's—it's
0: uh, it's a tricky—it's a tricky problem. Today's episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Start building your own website today at squarespace.com and use the offer code INSERT COIN at checkout to get 10% off. Squarespace, build it beautiful. When it comes to giving yourself a place online, there's nowhere better than a Squarespace. They give you everything you need. They let you build a site that looks professionally designed regardless of your skill level with no coding experience required. They have intuitive and easy-to-use tools so you can make your site look and feel exactly how you want. They're trusted by millions of people all around the world because of their state-of-the-art technology that they use to ensure security and stability and to keep your site looking fresh and lovely and updated. They have great templates that you can pick from. They have 24-7 support. So, cool. They have their commerce platform, so you can sell physical or digital goods. Anybody can add a store to their Squarespace site. Their cover page functionality, rock-solid fast hosting, their dev platform. They give you a free domain name if you sign up for a year. This is so much awesome stuff at Squarespace. Their plans start at just $8 a month. But what's more, you can sign up for a free trial today with no credit card required and start booting your own website straight away by going to squarespace.com. And when you decide to sign up, make sure that you use the offer code insert coin or one word to get 10% off your first purchase and show your support for remaster thank you so much to squarespace for their support of this show and relay fm squarespace you should let's talk about what's coming so i took a look at what exclusives are coming to the xbox one in 2016 because i figure that's the more interesting thing that's what sells the system right if Grand Theft Auto, Call of Duty, Assassin's Creed, they don't sell Xboxes specifically, right? But platform exclusives do. Mm-hmm. The biggest one, which comes out in a, a month or so, is Quantum Break. So this is a game that they've been pimping quite a lot. I'm still trying to get my head around what Quantum Quantum Break is. It seems like a mixture between a game and a TV series, and there's like the ability to stop time. I'm a little bit confused about it. Every time I see a demo of this game or every time I see it in a presentation, I am intrigued by it and and I am going to buy and play this game, but I feel like I don't fully understand it. Yeah, it's
2: almost like one of those mixes of a movie and an action game. I really don't know what's going on. The problem here is that uh, uh, basically a lot of Xbox One users uh, revolted last week uh, because Microsoft announced uh, the game is also coming to PC. And a lot of people were really upset, and they've been tweeting to Microsoft executives on, on I mean on Twitter, of course. And I saw a lot of people just saying, "Oh, I cancelled my pre order of Quantum Break because it's no longer an exclusive uh, on Xbox One." And I saw and I saw Phil Spencer tweeting back at people saying, "Well, you cancelled your pre order for a game that you want just because it's also coming to PC," and I feel like. It, that's ridiculous, right? Because if you want to play a game, it doesn't matter when it's coming out. But from a, from an, um, maybe in a psychological and anthropological point of view, there's a, a point to be made about these Xbox One users uh, pining for an exclusive and which is no longer an exclusive because it's also coming to PC and they are upset and they are tweeting nasty stuff to Microsoft
1: people. Uh I,
2: I don't know, Shade, have you ever been into this situation oh God, of yeah. users, no. <laughs> users being upset?
1: I, I have been been itching to jump in on this so bad. <laughs> so tell me. Because you, you have to remember it wasn't my job to save Vita, um, but people got that impression from the outside. My my job was to bring games to Vita um through the only way possible. Uh, which was working very closely with the independent development community. But because of the profile that I had around Vita specifically, and eventually PS4, but to begin with Vita, I got, um, I got credit when things went right for Vita, whether I had anything to do with it or not. And of course, I got the brickbats when things didn't go right. So for example, when Tearaway was announced as Tearaway Unfolded for PS4, the amount of grief I got for that... I mean, you, ha- you have to set your own feelings aside and understand that from a fan's perspective, I was the representative of PlayStation as regards Vita. So it didn't matter that I had nothing to do with worldwide studios. What they saw it add was was a complete betrayal of a system in trouble. It's a hugely tribal thing. So I can imagine the mindset of Xbox One owners thinking, you know what, we bought into this thing. We are the true fans and guardians of this thing. We invested money, we're championing it, we love it, we play it. So so don't screw us over is basically their mindset. And the way they see betrayal is, it is literally like like an infidelity. You're what, you're, you're cheating on us with that platform as well? Well, then that means you don't really love us. It's a very tribal thing. And it, it took me quite some time to understand why Vita fans felt the way that they did. Because what they were saying to me was... Look, dude, we, we bought your, your line, and we love this platform. We love everything about it. We are its champions. Don't screw us over. That's what they were saying. And to them, any time that a previous exclusive was then made available for another platform, they saw that as infidelity. They took it very personally.
0: Well, what it does is, and, and if people see it that way in, in regards to Quantum Break, is Quantum Break potentially was going to be selling Xbox One consoles. But now th- that's less likely to happen because anybody with a PC can also play the game. right? That, I'm sure that's why people are getting upset. right? They're seeing yeah. it as like a, you don't believe in it. You don't believe in the Xbox One. You feel like you have to put this on PC too, so people can play this game. Yeah, and and Microsoft
2: had to go on the record with uh, various websites saying, oh, we're totally committed to the Xbox One, we're continuing to invest on the platform. You know, the usual jargon that you share with the gaming blogs. Uh, But uh, I guess... You know, people are nasty on Twitter, and that doesn't surprise me. It's sad. But there's a, there is a there is something to be understood. Yeah. Uh, and I think, Shahid, when you mention a tribal behavior, that's totally it. Like, we're rooting for the, for the underdog, and you're yes. the big corporation making games for the underdog, and we love you, but the moment you betray yeah. us, we hate you, basically. Right. Because what Microsoft
0: right. are showing in this is that they spent a ton of money on Quantum Break. They feel like they need to sell it to as many people as possible so and they know that they haven't got that many people on the Xbox One <laughs> that they want to sell it yeah.
1: to, right? So they're yeah. opening out onto PC too. That's totally it. That's the argument um, behind strategic benefit versus financial benefit. The strategic benefit would have been protect the Xbox and try and expand the base. But as you say, this is this is a sign of the finance people getting the upper hand in the strategic decision.
0: And there's also the potential that what they're trying to do here is create their Uncharted.
1: If you were trying to create an Uncharted, though, would you do it on multi-platform? Or would you, you know, especially if you're a platform holder, wouldn't you just say... um, We're going to do this on Xbox. See, this is where the dichotomy between Microsoft and Xbox kicks in. You've got to ask yourself, what are Microsoft's priorities as regards gaming? Because earlier you made the excellent point that Minecraft is bigger than gaming. I talked about Minecraft being bigger than Xbox. Well, here you go. Here's a prime example of that. This is somebody in Microsoft, I would imagine, saying, well, this is an expensive project. We've got to make money on this. We have Windows. This will also help sell Windows machines. So let's put it on both of those and I can imagine the Xbox people saying, "Well, this is going to affect us. This is going to make the Xbox proposition slightly less valuable." I mean, it's interesting to note. I think they've said that they're not releasing this on Steam. They did say that. Right. So, I mean, most people who buy games on a PC are going to be buying it, are going to be buying games on Steam. It's very difficult to sell games outside of Steam. There are a few notable exceptions like uh, Mass Effect and so on, but they are the exception rather than the rule. So, that, again, that's if it was a purely financial play, then why would they exclude Steam, seeing as they do other stuff on iOS?
0: I, I don't know. I I think that... I think that when I look at this, I see that they, they've put a ton of money into this and they're trying to make it a platform. And, you know, when I said about creating the Uncharted, that I think what they're trying to do is get this game in front of as many people as possible because they believe in it, create a franchise which is exciting to people, and then Quantum Break 2 becomes console exclusive. But at the first instance, they need to try and build some support around the franchise and then they can move on from there. So Quantum Break is the first one. It's probably going to be the biggest um, they showed off at E3 uh, a game called ReCore, and they basically just showed a little video of it, like a teaser yeah. video. Um, we saw deserts and robots, and that, that's all we have. That is a game that's coming in 2016 and will be an exclusive.
2: Yeah, and that's the game that uh, that's appealing to Metroid Prime fans out there mm-hmm. uh it's really based on the on the in theory on, on the core idea behind uh, metroid and i feel like there's some people from the original metroid prime team working on it uh I, i'm intrigued by recore uh but it's just we haven't
0: seen anything about yeah, it there's nothing like, about real it, time yeah. so <laughs> we'll see uh, cuphead is apparently coming this year this is oh, yeah. i think this game has had maybe three e3 appearances yes now, it yes. feels like uh I mean, I can't wait for that game. It's going to be great, but it's not going to sell Xbox Ones. No. That, that will be a really great game to the people that have it. Um, City Skylines is going to be appearing on Xbox One. Are you, either of you familiar with City no. Skylines? That's on Steam, isn't it? It's on Steam right now. It's a PC yeah. game. It is the spiritual successor to SimCity. Mm. Oh, okay. And it's become very big um, on, on Steam. And it's going to be an Xbox exclusive. This is a big deal, I think. Mm. This, is, this is that's going to be a big one. Um, Tacoma, which is from oh, the yeah. makers of Gone Home. Yes, um, I don't really know a lot about this game, but it's got a lot of uh, credibility. Right, Gone Home was a big indie
1: success. That's going to be appearing. That hurt as um uh, as someone at PlayStation losing that one to Microsoft hurt. I can, oh, interesting to say oh. that. <laughs> hmm. Okay,
0: oh. so that that's definitely, there you <laughs> go, that's one
1: to watch out for now then. And uh, Below by
0: Cappy Games, which again, oh, yeah. Tacoma, Below, Cuphead, I don't think they're necessarily going to sell a lot of systems, but they'll make the people happy, and it strengthens the console exclusive, right? So maybe all three of them together might sell systems, right? But individually, I don't think they're going to do a lot. Um But I think what this is showing is there's some more stuff there that I will... So 2016, I want to play all of those games on my Xbox. In 2015, I haven't had any that I wanted to play.
2: Hmm. Yeah, personally, I don't feel like I... Even with these games, I don't feel like I need to buy an Xbox. I mean, I would like to buy an Xbox, but it's just... There's so many things that I want to have and the an xbox one is just not up there in my wish list immediately like there's no and and i feel like maybe for me the issue is really exclusive uh there's no big title that i want to buy on on the xbox and maybe it's a combination of the facts that i i i grew up with playstation and nintendo so mm-hmm. i've never been attuned to you know halo gears of war that kind of xbox 360 titles I bought a 360, uh, you know, last decade maybe, uh, and I played with it like maybe a week just to finish uh, Bioshock Infinite, and that was it. I've never been a huge Xbox person, um, so maybe I'm not qualified to talk about it. It's good to see, you know, these indie titles come into Xbox, like Cuphead and City Skylines, Tacoma. I would argue that... For and Shade, correct me if I'm wrong, but for the first period of the PS4's life, uh, indie titles sort of kept the PlayStation 4 alive. You know, when Mm. companies were working on the AAA titles, yeah, there's there was a good selection of indie stuff on the on the PS on the PlayStation Store, and so it's definitely good to see these kind of titles coming more and more to to the Xbox One.
0: I have to just jump in very quickly. Um, I think that. One thing that's really interesting to me comparing the uh, PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One to the PS3 and the Xbox 360 is the shift in where the indies are. The the Xbox Live Arcade, that was where all the indie games were. Mm -hmm. That significantly changed in the next console generation that we're in right now. That has shifted. And I'm sure that our illustrious co-host is part of the reason that that happened. But that, I think, has been a definite change for 2015 and it's 2016. Shahid, what do you think
1: about that claim? Definitely. I mean, we used to look across at uh, Xbox, uh, and I'm using we in the past tense, Mm -hmm. so I'm allowed, I think. Yeah, you can do it in the past tense. Yeah, is that all right? Yeah, it makes sense in the past tense because you're telling a story, but you can't do it in the present. We used to look across at some of the stuff they had coming through in 2009. It was just beautiful. And they curated really well, and we've covered this kind of thing in previous remasters as well. And what we realised was that they they kind of dropped the ball. Come around 2010, 2011, 2011 particularly, there were developers saying increasingly negative things about their their experience of working with Microsoft uh, and and publishing and so on. And so so we seized that we seized upon that opportunity because there were people critical. Of Microsoft during that time, publicly so, independent developers, that is. And I would reach out to these people because, you know, they're, but for the grace of God, go us. Because the reason they were attacking Microsoft is because Microsoft were in the dominant position as regards console relationships with independent developers. We just weren't even in the game at the time. So I wasn't going to these people saying, ha ha, you know, Microsoft are rubbish, we'll help. It was a case of, well, Consoles, for a while now, have not been the best place for independent developers. So the approach was one of humility. What can we do to make things better? And it took a long time. It took years to get this right. It took about, I think, two years before we got this right. And it started on Vita and then went to PS4. But I do think there is a correlation between the amount of vibrant content that you have on a platform, not across the board, doesn't include AAA, but vibrant content that makes the scene of the console alive and its success in the marketplace. And I don't think it's a complete coincidence. I also don't think it's the sole determining factor. There were many other factors. But I do think it's an important part of the whole arrangement. In my conversations with developers, I found that there are, there are developers out there who are making more revenue with digital sales on Xbox 360 than they are on Xbox One. Hmm.
0: Now that is interesting. Well, I, g- I guess it kind of makes sense in a way because it does doesn't it? Indie games are pro- uh, you know made are still being made for the Xbox 360, right? And mm-hmm. there probably there aren't as many AAA games even though there are still some made for the Xbox 360. But it, if you're continuing to release games there, there are more I'm sure there are more Xbox 360s
1: in current use than Xbox ones. But it's just an interesting statistic, right? There are a lot of people holding on to the 360s who haven't made the decision yet. Are they going to go to Xbox One or are they going to go to PS4? I mean, PS4 got a lot of Switches from uh, Xbox 360. But what it suggests is that there are a lot of Switches, potential Switches still out there playing with yeah. 360.
0: Huh. That is interesting. So I guess my final question
2: to you guys, and especially to you, Mike, uh, is... I'm looking back at the original Xbox One announcement and the big, you know, the grand vision for a media center for the home, like a modern media center experience with TV integration, social stuff, multitasking, and not just video games, right? Just uh, a lot of things in addition to video games. Uh, Has that vision sort of faded over time? Is Microsoft still uh, promising that kind of new experience, or is the backtracking uh, just too strong? And now Microsoft is simply doing uh, an upgraded version of the Xbox 360, meaning a console for gamers with some media features.
0: The functionality is there, right? And they, they, you know, they, they, when it was released, a lot of reviews were saying it was kind of close, right? They got close to having this great video experience, but it was still a bunch of things wrong with it. One of the big things is the voice commands. Voice activation, voice commands are just not good enough, right? On anything. Um, they, they don't work as often as pressing a button does. Buttons never go wrong. Voice commands do go wrong. Um, I've never had an interest of running uh, any kind of TV through my Xbox. I don't have a cable service, right? Um and and i don't know how many people really want to do that like why do you want your games console to become your tv mm-hmm. box one of the interesting things right and they see this and i can see why people would want to do this maybe watch a football game and play a video game at the same time, right? You know, especially something like American football where it's quite a stop-start. I can see why that works. You know, you can have like a game, maybe like three, snapped to the side, right? I get all of that, like the multitasking, the watching TV, the playing video games at the same time. But I don't know if that's something that enough people want to do that it makes these features extremely compelling. Having apps like Netflix, Amazon Prime is good but everything has those apps. I don't think any any of the media center stuff that Microsoft attempted to do is going to end up working any better for them than the Windows Media Center did. I just don't see it. I, I don't know why that people would necessarily want that. I mean, all you're doing is consolidating boxes, but you kind of, a lot of the time, end up in a scenario where you have one box that doesn't do as good a job as the two boxes did.